Well, it is so good to be together with you. I want you to go ahead and get out your notes. Um, if you're online, they are in the, the chat there or in the Westside app. Um, I want us to start because we're going to jump into Mark chapter 4 today for the teaching. And just to get us caught up to where we're going to be at in Mark chapter 4. Uh, so Jesus had just begun his ministry. And Jesus had just begun his teaching career. He just selected 12 of his disciples. He has done a couple miracles and he's had several moments where he's taught the crowd in, 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 these, in, in large sections. Like we just went through last week, one of these sections where Jesus talked about the not worrying and having in, in the, in the farmer sowing the seed and how we talked about that last week. Well, Jesus had just taught that moment, had that moment by teaching that par- parable about the four soils and not worrying to the disciples and the crowds. And at the end of a long day of teaching, at the end of that long day of teaching, Jesus tells his disciples to get into a boat because they're going to go to the other side. Now, have you ever had a long night followed by a, uh, have you ever had a long day followed by a long night? I mean, every parent, <laughs> we've been there, right? You've had the long day and, and, and then it was challenging and, and maybe it was a great day and then it was a long night that just followed. Have you ever had those, those moments? Like you had a great day and then the challenge came. Maybe it was, maybe it was a, you got, a kid got sick or, or you, know, you, you got word and a phone call and you just stayed up all night. Um, or, or have you ever had one of those, hey, the good news preceded the bad news types of days? Well, that's exactly where the disciples are about ready to be. They don't know it. They had this great day. In fact, it was an exciting day. The crowds were coming and this is where the disciples were at. And in this, the disciples were about to face something and Jesus knew what they were about to face. And he says, get in the boat. And so that day we read in Mark chapter four, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Then leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And in verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? The teacher gets up. He rebukes the wind. It was as if he was an authority over the wind and waves. And said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Looks at his disciples and says to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? I mean, I, I just perform miracles. I'm, I'm giving you a teaching that leads you to understand the kingdom of God and live in the kingdom of God. After what you've seen, after what you've heard, do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I want you to underline those two statements in that question, that statement. Do, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Faith. See, that word faith is so important. They were terrified, Mark continues, 41, and asked each other, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Who is this? Well, this 
This is the same capital W word or it, that John would write about in, in his gospel. And he would begin his gospel and mention that this was the word who spoke the creation into existence. It was this logos, this word, this capital W word that was present in the boat with them in this moment. It was this word, the reason for everything that was created who spoke to the same waters which he created and silenced them. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? That word faith that I had you circle is so important. It's in, in, in the Greek language, and again, I am no Greek scholar, but I know this word is very important. This, work, this word in the Greek is pistis. And, and in this word, it is transliter- it translated into three different words in our uh, main three, mainly three different words in our English language. It's faith, belief, and trust. We use these three languages, these three words interchangeably to interpret this one word pistis in the Greek language. See, faith is trust. Faith is trust. And faith can only exist when we have to trust in God. Faith exists in those moments where you have to trust in God. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, fear and faith in God cannot coexist in the same space. Fear and faith in God cannot coexist because of this. Fear is the absence of trust in God. What I fear the most is where I trust God the least. What you fear the most is where you trust God the least. (laughs) And this is why God allows us to be in circumstances to test and build our faith in who he is and what he can do. Just like Jesus allowed those disciples to be in a difficult situation where they had to trust in Jesus. Jesus fell asleep in that boat to test the disciples' faith and to build their trust in who he is and what he is capable of doing. You may be here today and you may be going through a difficult season right now. You may be going through something right now that has you afraid, has you worried, and you may think that God is sleeping in your boat. You may think that God is not looking, he's apathetic. You may think that God is not there, but I want you to know and be rest assured that he is there and he is allowing you to go through something so your faith and trust in him can be strengthened. See, the only way that our trust or our faith is strengthened is when our trust is tested. See, a trust that can't be tested can't be trusted. I've said this many times for our church family. A faith that you will not allow God to test is a faith that you can't trust. See, a trust that can't be tested can't be trusted. And it's in these difficult moments, these hard moments of life, and these, these, these insurmountable, as it appears, moments, these moments that our trust is being tested. And it's in those moments that God's grace, I believe this, 
to the core of me. It's in those moments that God's, that your faith is tested, that God's grace is revealed in that testing and his grace becomes our strength. It becomes your strength as we trust in him. Now back to the disciples in Jesus. See, Jesus had to get them in the boat to go to the other side. And I believe God allowed this storm to happen. And Jesus maybe knew the storm was coming because he knew he had to build the disciples' faith because of what was on the other side of the sea. And we read about this in Mark chapter five, verses one through six. And it's, in your no- it's not in your notes, but it's on the screen here that they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. This man who was suffering, fell on his knees before Jesus. And Mark would, and you can read about this later, you can read on later, using only his words, Mark would say, Jesus commands this unclean spirit to leave the man and enter a herd of pigs. He uses his words. Just like with his words, Jesus exercised his authority over the winds and the waves. Now with his words, Jesus exercises authority over the demonic forces. And then we read in verse 14 that those tending the pigs ran off. And they reported this to the town and the countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Maybe they were afraid because they didn't understand how this happened. Maybe they couldn't understand what Jesus was able to do that they couldn't do. And that's a lot of times what happens to me, at least when I'm with my fear. See, I'm, I, I become afraid of the thing I, does, I don't understand. And, and, and often with us, we, we often get afraid of what we do not understand. That's why we are afraid. And in either case, this crowd had fear because they had no faith in God. They had no faith in Jesus. And in verse 16, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people, look at this, began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They couldn't understand who Jesus was. And when you don't understand, you can be afraid of even what you need most, God himself. And in this moment, they plead with Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus. Jesus did not let him, but he said to him, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people 
all the people that heard his story because he obeyed, they were amazed. Now, this is so interesting to me, and a couple of interesting points here. Is, first is this, is those who lost their pigs, they were afraid of Jesus. And the reason I believe they were afraid of Jesus is because Jesus was a threat to their convenience, and Jesus was in conflict to their way of life. Many times, I'm afraid of what threatens my comforts. I don't want to lose what is convenient. And so anything that threatens my convenience, I'm afraid of that. This is why many of us resist change. It's why really most of us are afraid of any type of change because we're afraid it conflicts with the convenience and our comfort in life. And and here's the other thing. See, conflict conflicts with what we want. I mean, let's just think about that. Conflict is in conflict with what you want. In life. And Jesus here was in conflict with what these people wanted. They wanted it their way. They wanted it according to the, what they, they, they wanted everything to go back to the way they had it. <laughs> and while these people were in fear of losing their convenience or being in conflict, uh, Jesus being in conflict with their way of life, the demon possessed man experienced who Jesus was and had no fear to share his story of all Jesus had done for him. This man experienced the powerful force of pure love, a powerful force of perfect, pure love who crossed this sea just for him, only for him. This man experienced the caring eye of a God who saw him in his pain, a God who saw his chains and wanted to set him free. And when all others saw his pain and all they saw his chains and they were afraid, Jesus gets in the boat and he pursues the man. He had no other option than than to respond to Jesus by coming to Jesus and throwing himself at Jesus' feet. And when Jesus set him free, He had no other option than to obey and go tell everybody all that Jesus had done for him and how Jesus had mercy on him. See, Jesus crossed the lake just for this one demoniac and Jesus turned him into the the first of many, one of the first missionaries. We read on in verse 21 that when Jesus again crossed over the boat to the other side of the lake, so immediately Jesus goes back over. And a large crowd gathered around him and while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Do you see a pattern emerging? The disciples come, they don't fall at Jesus while he's sleeping in the boat. They complain to Jesus, but when Jesus speaks, the winds and the waves, they submit, they fall before Jesus. When this demoniac sees Jesus and comes, he falls at Jesus' feet. And then this religious leader sees Jesus and falls at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with Jesus, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. And if any of you who have ever had a child deathly ill, I'm so grateful I haven't had this experience, but I know many of people in our church family who have had an experience like this. You know the angst this man had. You know that you would do anything. You would do anything, even trade places to not see your child suffer and to see your child healed. 
And Jairus, afraid his daughter may die, is now on this journey to his house with Jesus. And as they're walking through, the the crowd is there. It's so tight. They're gathered around Jesus. And a woman who is suffering with an embarrassing bleeding disorder and who was afraid herself of being seen or discovered, she secretly pushes through the crowd, staying out of the sight of everybody. And she secretly pushes through the crowd to get to Jesus while Jesus and Jairus are traveling. This woman believed that if she could just grab the edge of his garment, or as Mark would say, his cloak, that edge, as soon as she would do it, that would be enough for her body to be healed. And she gets to Jesus. And as she gets to Jesus, she gets that moment where she reaches out and she touches, grabs a hold of that. And immediately, Mark would say, she knew that she had been healed. She knew the bleeding stopped at that very moment. In that very moment, Jesus knew something happened. And at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. We continue to read. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And the disciples answered, you see people crowding all around you? Come on now. And yet you can ask, who touched me? I mean, like, come on, Jesus. This doesn't make sense. Everyone is touching you. <laughs> but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Almost like that parent who walks into the room. You've done this as a parent. You know this. Uh, this mess did just not, uh, through evolutionary theory, just happen. And one of you guys are responsible. Who did it? And you just wait until they fess up. And it's just like that moment. It, Jesus is just waiting there, waiting for the person who touched his cloak to be honest. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came. fell at his feet. She came. Mark pattern, Mark's pattern continues. Winds and waves fall at Jesus' feet in silence. The demoniac falls at Jesus' feet and under his authority is set free. And Jairus falls at his feet and now the suffering woman falls at his feet. And trembling with fear, Why was she afraid? I believe Mark gives you and I insight into why she was afraid. Because at this moment, she told him the whole truth. That's why I believe she was afraid. She was afraid of telling the truth. She was afraid of being completely honest with Jesus and being completely honest in front of everybody. A big reason, in my opinion, to be trembling with fear. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Her fear kept her from telling the truth. Now, ironically, the woman wasn't afraid to go to Jesus in secretly, in secret, but she was afraid of being public about going to Jesus. Because being public about going to Jesus is a recognition that we are weak. It's a recognition that we are not perfect. It's a recognition that we are in need. And admitting 
by admitting she touched Jesus, she was being honest about that which she was embarrassed about, about that which she was trying so hard to hide. See, she had to confess. She had to be honest because she was a woman who was bleeding. And according to the Mosaic law, any woman who was bleeding in this nature was unclean, was outcast, couldn't be with the crowd. And every person she would touch would be unclean, including Jesus. But something powerful you need to recognize is there is nothing unclean that touches Jesus that he cannot make clean. There's no one imperfect that touches Jesus that he can't make righteous through his work alone. She was so afraid of being honest about her weakness. She was so afraid of being honest about her condition. But freedom was in her honesty. Freedom is found when we are honest with God. That is faith. See, our faith, our trust grows stronger the more we are honest with God. And yet, sometimes we're afraid to be honest with him. We're afraid to be honest with others. Yet in her fear, Jesus affirms the woman's faith and he heals her. And then he sends her off in peace and she was freed from her suffering. See, when our fears and pain bring us to Jesus, Jesus affirms our faith in him. When you bring your fears, when you bring your pain, when you bring your weaknesses, when you bring your imperfections and you're honest about them before your God and before others, God affirms your faith in him because it takes trust in him to be honest to him. It takes trust to be honest. And when we have faith to be honest with God, that's when God's able to set us free. So don't be afraid of being honest with God, a God who loves you and a God who cares about you. Now back to this journey Verse 35, while Jesus was speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Heartbreaking news. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus looks at Jairus and says, don't be afraid. Just believe. I want you to underline those two lines, or the, the, those, two, those, those five words there. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, Jairus, just believe. And maybe Jesus is telling you this today. Maybe Jesus is in your storm, in your circumstance right now, where it feels hopeless, and he's just telling you, hey, don't be afraid, just believe. I know you're worried, I know you're afraid, but just know and trust in who I am. Because when you believe in who I am and how much I love you and I care for you and that I'm for you, you'll realize you have nothing to fear. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Trust in me is the command Jesus gives. Verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And then maybe it's a moment of a comedic relief or you know, this is really what happened. So maybe they were just like so exasperated by Jesus' comment that they laughed at him. I mean, can you believe you would say that? No, Jesus, he's, she's dead, dead. It's not like mostly dead in the Princess Bride. 
okay? That was new. I didn't say that in the first service, okay? So all that to say this, what we said before, fear cannot coexist with faith in God. See, fear cannot coexist. So Jesus kicks out those who don't have faith. We read about this after he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples, which were Peter, James, and John, who were with him and went in where the child was. And now Jairus, Jairus's wife, Peter, James, and John faced the thing they feared probably the most, death. Faced the thing that they were fearful of even happening and now they're put in the face of it. And Jesus takes her by the hand and said to her, Talith kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus knew that fear would restrict people. Jesus knew that fear would restrict the disciples and Jairus from seeing who he really is and experiencing what he can do. See, fear will restrict us from seeing who Jesus really is and fear will restrict us from experiencing the freedom and the fulfillment God wants us to have even in the circumstances that don't go the way we want. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just trust in God. Why? Because trust is the antidote to fear. Trust your faith, your belief in who Jesus is and and your faith in him is the antidote to fear. Faith, trust, belief, whatever word you want to use interchangeably there for this word, pistis, is a word that this is what is the key. This trust is the key that unlocks the door to you knowing who Jesus is and you experiencing the freedom and the fulfillment that Jesus wants to give you. Don't be afraid. Just believe. John, Peter, and James were there in that room with Jesus. And I believe this moment was so seared on their hearts that it, 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 it became something that they understood at a whole new level. Peter would say, this impacted me. I told this story this series, this, to Mark. Mark said, this was so amazing. I got to put this in my writing about Jesus. And you and I are reading about this today. John would be so impacted in my mind by this moment that John would write a letter to the church after he would write this gospel to, to the church and he would write a letter to the first century church and he would appeal to them. He would appeal to the first century church and he would say this truth to them, a truth that he learned and he experienced. And he would say, there is no fear in love because perfect love but perfect love drives out fear there is no perf- there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear john would say to that first century church and i believe if he were here today john would say to you and i i looked into his eyes i looked into the eyes of perfect love and when i was angry when i was afraid in a boat I saw him, I saw perfect love command the winds and the waves, and I saw the winds and the waves fall down at his feet. I saw perfect love drive out a demon uh, uh, that, that was destroying a man, and no one 
could overcome him, but perfect love drove that fear out of him. And I saw this man that people feared fall down before the feet of perfect love and love healed this man. I saw the eyes of perfect love heal a woman who lived in fear and who lived in suffering, yet who came to Jesus and fell at his feet. I saw him drive out her fear. I saw perfect love. When I entered a room that I feared the most and I was in the face of death, and I saw perfect love who is life reach down and take the hand of someone who was dead. And because he is life, whatever he touches comes to life. And I saw perfect love raise the dead. And then he would tell you and I, I saw perfect love live the perfect life that I was unable to live. I saw perfect love be wrestled to the ground, yet he didn't put up a fight. I saw perfect love nailed to a cross. I saw perfect love crucified. I saw perfect love give up his last breath. I saw perfect love die. And I saw perfect love three days later come back to life because that's what perfect love is. It's life. There is no fear in love because love, perfect love, drives out fear. And when you trust in perfect love, it will drive out all fear because there is no fear when perfect love is there. When you trust in perfect love, when you trust in perfect love, this is, it will drive out all fear. And this is what I want you to know today. And this is the teaching big idea. See, when you trust in God's love, you are fearless. When you trust in God's love, you are fearless. When you trust in his perfect love for you, it will drive out all the fear that you have. So I wanna ask you, what is it that you fear today? I mean, what is it that you fear? I'm not talking about the feelings that you have, but what is the cause of that? What is it that you fear? And where is your trust? Where is your faith? Do not be afraid. Just believe. See, fear and trust in God cannot coexist. And when you and I trust in God's love for us, we will be fearless. When we trust in who Jesus is and God and what God did through Jesus to demonstrate his love for you, no fear can be a chain that holds you hostage. No storm will keep you from having a faith in the one who commands the winds and the waves. And no sickness will keep you from pursuing Jesus. And death itself, the thing that every one of us, I believe, at the core of all our fears, death itself won't stop us from trusting in him. Because when you trust in God's love, you are fearless. And here are more words from John's letter. He would say this. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. I want you to just circle that word rely. It's so important. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us 
so that we will have confidence. Isn't this what you want today? Confidence? So that we will have confidence in the face of what we fear. And we will have faith, and John says this, on the day of judgment. Because we don't even have to be afraid of that day of judgment. When we know and rely on who God is and what Jesus has done for us. He goes, this is how love is made complete among us so that we can have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. We are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If we claim to be in fear, we need to pause and say, I've not been made perfect in love. And where am I not trusting and relying on his love? See, do you know the love of God and you rely on it? That word rely, I told you to circle, is the same word Mark used in when he said, don't be afraid. When he quoted Jesus, don't be afraid, just believe. It's the same word as rely. Same word, pistis. It's just interpreted here as rely. To rely is to trust. And it's to rest in knowing, to be confident, to be certain. And when you know that perfect love has you, no matter what the storm is, when you know that perfect love has you, no matter what the difficulty is, know what the challenge is, you don't have to fear it. So I want to just give you four statements that could become a prayer. It could become just a statement that you say to yourself to, to remind yourself. So I have no fear when I understand and trust in the love of God. Maybe you need to just, God, help me understand your love for me. Secondly, I will not fear what anyone can say about me or what they can do to me. I'm not going to fear opinions or beliefs of others. I'm not going to fear other people's words. I'm not going to fear other people's actions. Third, I will not fear anything that can happen to me or those close to me. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I'm not going to be afraid of what can happen because I know where I stand in perfect love. And the last thing is I will not fear because I do know where I stand in God's love. Maybe you don't know where you stand in his love and today you need to receive Jesus because he is the sign of Jesus' love for you. And there's not a prayer that can save you. It's simply just putting your trust in Jesus that gives you the life that Jesus came to give. It's trusting that Jesus lived the perfect life you couldn't live, trusting that his death paid the punishment for your sins and through his love, he's forgiven you. And you receive that forgiveness. It's trusting that Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, he's reached out his hand to grab yours because whatever he touches is life. And maybe you need to reach out and you need to receive his hand today and trust in him. I wanna pray for you and maybe you're here today and you can say, I'm going through something that I'm afraid and fear's got me. Don't be afraid. Trust. And the one who has command and authority over everything that you fear. And yes, God will allow you to go through some things, but you can trust that no matter what you go through, he's in the boat with you. He's there with you. And when he's with you, perfect love will drive out your fear. Can I pray for you?
And afterwards, our prayer partners will be available. They'd love to pray with anyone for any reason today. Father, we were not there in the boat with the disciples. We weren't there to see the broken chains come off the man. And while we were not there in the crowd when you set the woman free or in the room when you raised the dead to life, we are here and we are able to read these testimonies and read the words of these men who saw you, who saw perfect love live a life that no one could live. Saw perfect love die a brutal death and they saw in love you come back to life so you could extend your hand and you could give life to all who would just reach out and accept you and trust in you. So Father, may every one of us rely on that today. Just like we rely on the chair we're sitting in. Just like we trust in that. May we have a deeper trust in you because perfect love drives out fear. And today, may we realize that when we trust in you, we will be fearless. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, Wes.